Matt Sullivan here to remind you to stop putting screens on your gutters. Better to schedule a free estimate with the local experts at Gutter Helmet so you stay off the ladder. Visit GutterHelmetIndy.com. With Gutter Helmet, you'll never clean your gutters again. GutterHelmetIndy.com. Hammer and Nigel. Do you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock and Donald Trump should be here to answer for that, but he's not. And I want to look in that camera right now and tell you, Donald, I know you're watching. You can't help yourself. I know you're watching, okay? And you're not here tonight, not because of polls and not because of your indictments. You're not here tonight because you're afraid of being on the stage and defending your record. You're ducking these things. And let me tell you what's going to happen. You keep doing that, no one up here is going to call you Donald Trump anymore. We're going to call you Donald Duck. hey that is uh, former governor of New Jersey, Chris Christie, on the debate stage last night with a very lame dig at uh, Donald Duck Trump. I, you, I don't wonder if there's just, you know, they were sitting around in some sort of uh, conference room and you know, somebody wrote that for him, right? Or at least maybe he came up with it and workshopped it to his people, his campaign managers. And they were like, yeah, use that one. Yeah, that's really funny. That's really good. Here's the thing about Chris Christie. Uh, that debate last night was was a bleep show. It was awful. But Chris Christie's a good debater. So say what you want about the guy. He's got chops from his time as governor of New Jersey debating the teacher's unions and things like that i don't know what that was last night no and mike pence tried to do the same thing (laughs) like mike pence his first statement was some joke that fell flat and then later on he made some sort of joke about sleeping with a teacher and who sat around in that room who sat around and prepped mike pence and said Tonight, the world's going to meet wacky Mike Pence. (laughs) They're going to see a whole new side of your white-haired ass. It's going to be wacky Mike Pence tonight. Like, who are these god-awful political consultants that told him that was a good idea and told Chris Christie that duck joke was going to fly? I put this on our Twitter last night, Nigel, and I agree 100% with this. I will stand by this. I will shout it from a mountain. Last night's debate was like a preseason NFL game. The biggest star didn't play. And after about 15, 20 minutes, you're looking at your watch going, how much more of this crap do I have to put up with? <laughs> yeah, I was I was late to the party last night. I did watch a lot of it. I watched a lot of Trump. Um, surprisingly, I, I didn't get to finish the Bill O'Reilly Tucker uh, interview. Um, but it, it was just I, I, at one point, you know, my wife has been out of town all week. I just like I, I just turned it off and went to bed. <laughs> I, I watched so you were the real of winner of the debate. Last I was night. the winner. I didn't because you to... turned it off like it was bad to yeah. begin with but then it got progressively worse, worse. like the yeah. whole second half of that debate was worse than the first like, half i feel like hammer they were all talking all over each other at all times the moderators and the people up on stage right and it wasn't just the candidates i mean it was a bad production the lighting was bad the audio was bad the whole thing was a train wreck and again the second half of that debate worse than the first half RNC Chair Ronna McDaniel, your thoughts? We couldn't do diddly poo. We sucked. The second half, we sucked. We got our ass totally kicked in the second half. It was a horse performance in the second half. Horse. I'm totally embarrassed and totally ashamed. It sucked. It stunk. As well, you should be, Ronna. Ronna McDaniel, RNC <laughs> Chair. Um, outrageously biased questions coming from one of the moderators. Like most of the night, 
most of the night. I thought Dana Perino was okay. She had a big flub at the end, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. But the other two folks, the man that I've dubbed Jim Varney and (laughs) this reporter from Univision, they were stiffs, and they lost all control. Only Dana was able to basically tell everybody, you know, hey, knock off the nonsense. We're trying to get some things talked out here. But this Univision chick, she was awful. Listen to this bullcrap question that she asked to Florida's Governor Ron DeSantis. Florida's new black history curriculum says, quote, slaves develop skills which in some instances could be applied for their personal benefit. You have said slaves develop skills in spite of slavery, not because of it. But many are still hurt. For the sentence of slaves, this is personal. What is your message to them? That's such a BS loaded question. Right. And it's a hoax of a question. Yeah, it's not real. It's No. It had been debunked previously. African American scholars have said that. Said as much. Kamala Harris and AOC yeah, yeah, were the yeah. ones putting out all this nonsense. Yeah. And it's been fact-checked and proved to be debunked. But this chick from Univision, Ilya Calderon, asked that to Ron DeSantis. I mean, what a ridiculous question. Vince Lombardi, your thoughts. I love we've heard from Jim Mora and Vince Lombardi <laughs> already into this segment. Uh, this was how DeSantis ultimately answered that question, though. So, first of all, that's a hoax that was perpetrated by Kamala Harris. Uh, we are not going to be doing that. Second of all, that was written by descendants of slaves. These are great black history scholars, so we need to stop playing these games. Here's the deal. Our country's education system is in decline because it's focused on indoctrination, denying parents' rights. Florida represents the revival of American education. We're ranked number one in the nation in education by U.S. News and World Report. My wife and I, we have a six, five, and three-year-old. This is personal to us. We didn't just talk about universal school choice. We enacted universal school choice. We didn't just talk about Parents' Bill of Rights. We enacted the Parents' Bill of Rights. We eliminated critical race theory, and we now have American civics and the Constitution in our schools in a really big way, just like President Reagan asked for in his farewell address back in 1989. Florida is Showing how it's done, we're standing with parents, and our kids are benefiting. In a rare moment of clarity last night, where you could understand what someone was trying to say, Ron DeSantis squashes that ridiculous notion that the moderator asked, and then went on to give his answer. I think DeSantis was the winner last night. I don't even know why they needed that Univision woman there. Half the time, I really was having trouble understanding the words that were coming out of her mouth in the first place. She had no reason to be there. And uh, quote-unquote, Jim Varney, pretty much the same thing. Should have just been Perino. Right. Right. Um, If you missed it last night, consider yourself blessed. Uh, (laughs) Nigel, you said the winner was DeSantis. I would say Donald Trump was the winner last night because he wasn't a part of this. (laughs) He was speaking to the auto workers in Michigan. But if you missed a little bit of it, or maybe you haven't heard the highlights throughout the day, here's a little spirited back and forth. So Nikki Haley called out Vivek Ramaswamy's love of TikTok. Because Ramaswamy was talking about China sucks and China's awful and we hate China, rabble, rabble. But he loves TikTok. He's on TikTok. He does videos all the time. Chinese-owned TikTok. And Nikki Haley had had enough of it. 
There's one person on this. This is infuriating because TikTok is one of the most dangerous social media apps that we could have. And what you've got, I honestly, every time I hear you, I feel a little bit dumber for what you say. Because I can't believe they hear you've got a TikTok situation. What they're doing is these 150 million people are on TikTok. That means they can get your contacts. They can get your financial information. They can get your emails. They can get text messages. They can get all of these things. This is very important for our exactly what they're this doing. This is very important for our party, and I'm going to say And what we've seen is you've gone and you've helped China stop. build make medicines in China, not America. Me. You now wanting kids to go and get on the social media that's dangerous for all of us. You went and you were in business with the Chinese that gave Hunter Biden $5 million. We can't trust you. Why do I care about Vivek on TikTok? I mean, she was going through a whole list and litany of reasons as to why, but that's the biggest issue in this country right now is is Vivek's use of TikTok? Really? She was basically calling him a hypocrite. I I understand that, but... (laughs) Okay, whatever. Fine, he's on TikTok. And that that right there, that sentiment you just had, sums up everybody's thoughts on that debate. (laughs) All right, fine, whatever. Because ultimately, it was a bunch of people on a stage, seven people... And we know, unless something happens to Donald Trump where he can't run, they're not going to catch and they're not going to beat Donald Trump. So this was the JV game last night while Trump was in Michigan campaigning, trying to win over some folks that might be a little disenchanted with the Democratic Party, union workers who normally vote blue. This blank show was happening. And it was a disaster from the moderators to the panelists to the production element of it. The whole thing stunk. Um, We mentioned Vivek Ramaswamy. He had a moment that a lot of people, I guess, shared on social media where he talked about the discussion of transgender children. Transgenderism, especially in kids, is a mental health disorder. We have to acknowledge the truth of that for what it is. I met two young women early in this campaign. On parental rights in school. Parents have the right to know. And you know what the hypocrisy of this is? Even New Hampshire failed to actually get past a piece of legislation here. The very people who say that this increases the risk of suicide are also the ones saying that parents don't have the right to know about that increased risk of suicide. And I'm sorry, it is not compassionate to affirm a kid's confusion that is not compassion that is cruelty so this kind of thing went on all through the night but as we mentioned earlier the ending was so bizarre like the ending was the chef's kiss on this turd sandwich of a debate because not all of the candidates got a chance for a final statement only a couple did because dana perino tried to do this ridiculous survivor who would you vote off the island bit Which one of you, on stage tonight, should be voted off the island? (laughs) Please use your marker to write your choice on the notepad in front of you. 15 (laughs) seconds, starting now. Of the people on the stage, who should be... I'm absolutely serious. With all due respect, I mean, we're here. Like, We're happy to debate. I think that that's disrespectful to my fellow competitors. Nobody wants to to participate. (laughs) I'm so glad DeSantis said that. I'm so glad he did. Basically saying this is this is not a circus, all right? We're not up here for your uh, quote-unquote entertainment. This is a very serious thing that's happening. We're not playing Survivor. And Dana Perino's better than I that. Know. Dana's smarter than that, and she had a pretty good night. All things considered, she was the only one trying to keep control up there, but she kind of blew it all at the very end. 
Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Okay, so the debates sucked last night, GOP primary debates, the second one. Um, I think the big winner of the night was Donald Trump. Um, And like I said, I guess, you know, in terms of content, it was Trump. It was the Tucker, uh, Bill O'Reilly interview. And way, way, way down the line was the (laughs) debates. Now, today, it's a different story. Today were the opening statements in the Biden impeachment inquiry, right? Now, are you ready to be electrified? Are you ready to have electricity running through your veins? Are you ready to get so fired up you could run through a brick wall? Because if you are... Here's Kevin McCarthy. While Joe Biden was running for president and had told and his attorney told to that they received no money from China, we now know that, yes, it came from Beijing, from Jonathan Lee. And the address on the wire is President Biden's address. And then you find out, how did he meet this Jonathan Lee? Well, he took Hunter Biden on Air Force Two when he went to China. And then Hunter had him meet the vice president then. The vice president became such a liking that he wrote letters of recommendations for his children, too. So it's interesting to me, why would the president say he's never had any dealings with um, Hunter's business when Hunter said he was selling the brand? Okay, I'm going to sleep. You can go ahead and stop Okay, I'll take back what I said. The debates were better. (laughs) I mean, this is like a big day, and it sounds like McCarthy's doing a hostage video. (laughs) Like maybe he doesn't want this to happen because that was the chatter from a lot of folks that McCarthy is such a swamp monster. He feels bad that this is happening. But my God, did you hear that? I mean, people are more excited when they're delivering a eulogy when they go to a funeral. (laughs) Here is Jim Jordan. This is a tale as old as time. Politician takes action that makes money for his family and then he tries to conceal it. Never forget four fundamental facts. Hunter Biden gets put on the board of Burisma, gets paid a lot of money. Hunter Biden's not qualified, fact number two, to sit on the board. Not my words, his words. He said he got on the board because of the brand, because of the name. Fact number three, the executives at Burisma ask Hunter Biden to weigh in and help them with the pressure they are under from the prosecutor in Ukraine. Fact number four, Joe Biden goes to Ukraine on December 9th, 2015, gives the speech attacking the prosecutor that starts the process of getting that guy fired. Those facts, by the way, are consistent with what the confidential human source told the FBI and the FBI recorded in the 1023 form, the same form that the Justice Department didn't want to let this committee see. And all those facts 
All of that was further confirmed yesterday with the information that the Ways and Means Committee released from the whistleblowers Shapley and Ziegler. That, that's what needs to happen right there. The, the basic nuts and bolts of this inquiry all hinge on what Jim Jordan was saying right there about Hunter Biden on the board of the energy company there in Ukraine and getting the prosecutor in Ukraine fired that was investigating said energy company. That's what people need to know. All the emails, logs, you know, they're all there. Assuming this isn't a kangaroo court type of situation, which it might be, the information is there. Now, do you have faith that the Republicans can do their job and present all the evidence in a way that is overwhelming? Or are they going to trip on their own crank and let the Democrats get away with it? Where's your money going? Uh, Earlier today... Nancy Mace. In your face, Nancy Mace. She was fired up. I don't want to hear another word from the left or anyone across the other side of the aisle about impeachment inquiry. This is complete and total hypocrisy this morning. Today, we're going to bring the facts. Today, we are going to bring the evidence. In 2017, the Joe Biden family teamed up with Chinese company CEFC to make millions off of granting access to Joe Biden. Hunter even arranged for Joe Biden to share office space with the CCP-aligned company CEFC. My Democrat colleagues say none of this is relevant because Joe Biden wasn't vice president while his family did these shady deals. Turns out that's complete and total bullshit. It's a lie. Oh, Hunter Biden referred to access to his father as the keys to his family's only asset. Those words are going to come back and haunt Hunter Biden. Gotta love a good BS uh, cuss word there at the uh, from the uh, politician from South Carolina. There, Nancy in your Mace. face, Nancy, Nancy Mace. Mace. So while that's going on. And that's going to be a big part of the news cycle. At least it should be. We'll see it later tonight. Um, I want you to hear something else. There's also some chatter about what's happening at the border. I want you to listen to this testimony from Senator Katie Britt of Alabama. She's one of the newer members to the U.S. Senate. She's a star. She's talking about the horrific things that are occurring at the border as a result of Joe Biden's open border policy. She went down to the border with some of her colleagues, took a look at it firsthand, spoke to people. Take a listen to this. We walked through and we got to hear women tell us their story and their stories are brutalizing. And to Senator Cruz's point, if you're not telling it, that's on you. Because when a woman sits there and she tells you not just about being raped, but how many times a day she's raped, Mm. when she tells you about having to lay in that bed while they come in and out and in and out, it's disgusting and it's despicable. That's her message to the media about telling the real story of the lawlessness and the humanitarian crisis that's happening down at the border. Here's a little bit more. Folks, you look at the number of people that have died at the border because Joe Biden has made it more and more enticing to come here. Make no mistake, this is a result of failed policies. We could fix this. We can't throw money at this and fix it. We have to actually change the policies. I looked in the eyes of CBP agents who said we're exhausted. We're not only having to be paper pushers, we're also trying to do what we did, what we took an oath of office to do, and that is protect this border. But when they tell you about finding small children 
who have drowned in that river or pulling a lifeless body of a woman who is pregnant with twins. It changes the way you think about what's happening. Yeah, I mean, she gave the media an absolute dressing down. She powerful stuff right is going there. to be a star. Katie Britt, she's young, she gets fired up, but she doesn't make like a cartoon character of herself. She's decent to look at. She has got star written all over her, and I'm glad that she gave the media that undressing that she gave earlier today. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there with a very special guest on the WIBC hotline. When we want a fair, down-the-middle opinion on something, the first person we call is Dr. Laura Wilson. I believe, Professor, I believe the word you're looking for is objective. Objective. Yes. Professor yes. of Political <laughs> Science at the University of Indianapolis. Doctor, how are you? I'm doing well, and I love that introduction. Thank you for the compliment. (laughs) All right, so let's start with whatever that was last night at the Reagan Library, that debate. I think most people know where Nige and I stand on this now. I thought that was a train wreck, not only from the commentary, but I thought the moderators were bad. I thought the lighting was bad. I thought the audio production was a Mickey Mouse production. The whole thing I thought was rotten, Doctor. Um, I'm curious as to what you think. Yeah, I don't think it was the best debate we've seen. Uh, That might be an understatement. I'm not sure I'm quite as critical there. but I do think there were some some obvious blunders and challenges. And first and foremost is the fact that the person who is leading for the likely Republican primary voters, right, Donald Trump as a candidate, was not present. So that was going to make it hard, I think, in the first place. There were several weird twists and turns. If you remember in the first debate, we got that question about aliens. This one had yeah. the, the weird moment about, like, uh, sleeping with a teacher. Uh, that, those kind of comments there. Yeah. Um, I think there was a lack of polish, right? And it's a primary debate. I don't think it necessarily detracted from the points the candidates were trying to make. Um, but it, it, certainly production-wise, I don't think it would be anyone's top favorite. Um, and even in terms of moderation, there are probably a lot of things that if it was going to be a general election, those would need to be taken care of. That would need to be improved significantly um, to get that wider audience, certainly. Did did anybody benefit from the Besides Donald Trump, did anybody on that <laughs> stage benefit from what we saw last night in any way, shape, or form in terms of getting their messaging across? I, I do think Christie benefited, and in part really? because... I, I think so. He got to get his jabs in there um, in, in terms of at Ramaswamy. He has all these lines against Donald Trump, uh, the Donald Duck line, especially for uh, listeners who are really paying attention when he said, oh, you're not going to be here. We're going to say you're ducking the debate. I mean, is it cringy? Yes. But I, I think for Christie, that's the angle. And because because Trump wasn't there and because he got a little bit more playtime with having only seven candidates on stage, I, I thought he actually had his best moment. I don't think it's a moment that's going to make it to the primary. I don't think he is going to be the candidate, in my opinion, just from where he is right now. But I thought he was able to capitalize. Um, I think Ram Swamy had another good debate uh, for him. I I thought he won the first debate, certainly in terms of time and obviously being the person targeted. And and that was similar to maybe a slightly different angle here. DeSantis did better. Um, Haley still did well. I, I think the problem is any one of them could be 
better than they had been, and they can improve. But you're talking about single digit for the most part. DeSantis is a little bit higher up, but really small increments in the polling. You're, they're not leading like Donald Trump is. So even hitting it out uh, in a home run victory for that debate is only going to move them reasonably. A couple of single um, points in the poll. It's not going to be a huge wave just yet. Doctor, you've moderated debates before, so you know what it's like. I thought last night, in addition to the candidates talking over each other, the moderators were talking over and yelling at each other. And Dana Perino, who most of the night, I thought she did a really good job. She had she was basically the only one that could keep control of this chaos that was going on. But then at the end, that really cringy survivor-like question, yeah. who would you vote off the island? Man, that kind of took away from just, I thought, her having a solid night, but that ending was so bad. What did you think of the moderators? Well, I think that's a really good point. And I, I mentioned the Donald Duck comment and then the ailing comment in the previous debate. Yes, the the Survivor Island question was another cringeworthy moment. I, I think in general, it's hard to keep track of, of so many candidates. And I agree. I thought Perino, for the most part, did a fairly good job on that. But you also, the moderate, have to be really careful. And it's very difficult. But it, you really have to be careful that you are not the focus, that you are not the person talking the whole time. You're giving the candidates the opportunity uh, to have that platform. And that's one of the things where I thought, especially by the end of the night, like there are points of candidates getting cut off. And of course, candidates will cut other candidates off. That's the name of the game. It's an election. They're trying to win. But, but as a moderator, you're supposed to cultivate the environment uh, where you're holding the candidates accountable. You're keeping them on task with the question. right? But then you get out of the way because you are not up for election. You are not trying to win. You are giving them the platform and allowing them to, to speak uh, to their voting audience. Should they have made some sort of time for everyone to have a closing statement? Because not everybody got one last night. And I thought that was a very bizarre ending. I, I think that was a horrible decision not to do that. And I'm glad that you mentioned that because part of getting that closing statement as a candidate is that last opportunity right, uh, to reemphasize whatever your strong points were, your thesis statement, if you will, um, to wrap up like what you want voters to leave with. And I will say not knowing that was going to be the kind of the organization going into it, but the time it was over, I was waiting and I realized that's not, we weren't going to hear from every single candidate because they didn't have that opportunity. So there's there's different opinions on opening and closing statements. Yes, they come pre-prepared by the candidate. They know they get it. But to me, that's your pitch to the audience. And it still it makes it right for criticism. I, I think it's nice to have that. And not having that means some candidates just lost out. Dr. Laura Wilson here in the Hammer and Nigel show. How do these candidates, like, how do they prep? It just seems, in terms of the format, uh, just uh, adapting to that just frantic, you've got 20 seconds for rebuttal, you've got 30 seconds here, then you, as you mentioned just a minute ago, you're getting cut off by other candidates. What, like you've prepped for debates before, uh, you've given advice, what kind of uh, guidance are these candidates getting? Well, they, they prep a whole lot. Uh, part of it is making sure you stick to your message and you know, and I think this is what's so amazing, most candidates, especially at this level, are very good. So even if you don't like them, you at least have to give them credit for this. But knowing if you get 20 seconds in your mind, that is a timer, just like on your your iPhone, where you know 
19, 18, 17, 16. And, and granted, of course, the moderator will cut you off once you hit that 20-second mark anyway. But they also have to think not just their own talking points, but where are they going to be attacked? And where are their opportunities for attack? If you've got seven people on that stage, right, you're prepping your candidate. You're saying, hey, these are our talking points. We know this person's probably going to attack here. So this is your counterattack. We also think that this candidate over here is going to talk about uh, this topic. They're vulnerable here. This is what we're going to say. And even though you don't know the questions in advance and you don't know what everyone's going to say, um, reasonably we kind of do, right? We right. have a good sense of, of what those things are going to look like. So you can do a tremendous amount of preparation. And then my personal favorite is always watching a debate and you can tell where someone misplaces something because, gosh darn it, their campaign worked on it. It was a line they had <laughs> prepped. They didn't want to waste it. They wanted to use it. And you just look at it. You're like, oh, no, that was the wrong spot. You didn't get the opportunity thought, but you just couldn't waste it and let it go. Um, watching those moments, too, quite frankly. I love because they're scripted, unscripted. Um, but, but it is. It's a tremendous amount of work and preparation that goes into making it essentially look uh, effortless, even though there's a lot of effort. So while that was happening in California, Donald Trump was in Michigan speaking to the UAW auto workers. I mean, there were more folks in that crowd, but that was the whole rationale of that speech, trying to reach out to some of these folks that probably vote Democrat an awful lot if they're union workers. But right now, things aren't going really well. Were you okay with Donald Trump skipping that debate to try to reach some key voters in a swing state? You know, it's a risk. And I think this one had a lot more at stake, quite frankly, than missing the first debate. That made sense. That felt like a, a well-thought-through strategy. I, I, I think this is risky. I don't think it's not strategy. Um, but but to make this decision, you're right. He was going after voters who don't always uh, typically vote Democrat. They don't usually support a Republican candidate. I think this is an opportunity that he sees. And if you remember back in 2016 with the blue wall, like that was an, that was an opportunity Trump uh, saw that nobody else did. And he was able to take advantage of. So perhaps he's looking at that from from that perspective and saying, this is a better place for my time. I do think he's advantaged in that regard, at least trying for it. And quite frankly, he's leading so much in all the polls. Right? He's the only one who has anything to lose. At these. Everybody else in the debate, it is all out. Hail Mary. Right? You, you're pithy points right now. So it, he's the one that is the front runner and has something to lose by not just saying. Now, I, I do think as we look into future debates and things that we're going to be expecting, he, he can't wait out forever. I do think he can wait out for quite some time. And I think the statement that he made afterwards um, saying that no one on that stage is going to be his running mate is a really bold uh, power move, but a statement, quite frankly, nobody else but him could make uh, in this position. And I think it you know, fuels the fires of those Christy Nome rumors that are out there. Because if you watch the debate, she's running commercials for her state. She's the spokeswoman of her state. A lot of chatter about Christy Nome. Yes. Oh, absolutely. And I thought it was amazing when you have that, you talk about spokesperson for the state. You watch some of those ads and you're like, wait a second, is this with the, the state? Are we talking about Dakotas or are we talking about, um, you know, Governor Nome herself? I, I think there's uh, the fact that it leaves it in such ambiguous terms would put a path forward there um, that we could see in the, in the upcoming months. Dr. Laura Wilson, professor of political science at the University of Indianapolis. Doctor, we always love it when you come on the show. You give us an objective view down the middle. God bless you for that, and we appreciate your time. Oh, I, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. This is the Hammer and Nigel Show. 
Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Show. I love our guest coming up at 4 o'clock, Hammer. Tudor Dixon, former gubernatorial candidate for Michigan. And she's got her own podcast now. And I was really pulling for her to beat that awful, just Witchmer? Whit- Whitmer? Gretchen, Gretchen Whitmer. Gr- w- Big Gretch. Whitmer may have been a more <laughs> right. accurate description. Um, so she's calling in a little bit after 4 o'clock. There's a new survey. That found the worst. Uh, the the survey found that the average person gets seven gifts a year that they never use, and the worst gift givers are usually friends, kids, and coworkers. Well, those are the only people that give you gifts, right? <laughs> right. The worst gift givers are the homeless guy fondling himself on Monument Circle. <laughs> 26% of people say they donate unwanted gifts to charity. 18% say they re-gift it to somebody else. Now, the survey produced a list of the worst gifts to receive. And, yeah, I believe I agree with some of these, including bad romance novels. You ever been given a bad romance novel? I've never been given a good one. <laughs> uh, a diet plan. I'm on my yeah. own diet plan. I'm doing all right. Yeah, I'm doing that all right. That would be a disaster. Why would somebody gift you a diet plan? Like, what kind of like if if I were to give a coworker a gift subscription to Weight Watchers, that would be awful. Rob Kendall That's, would do that to me. There's yeah, no doubt in my yeah. mind. Rob Kendall for Christmas this year would give me that gift. Uh, cufflinks, ties. Movies you've already seen, <laughs> cleaning products. Now, man, I like the cleaning products. It's all right. That's kind of the kind so of stuff that I would me, get as a gift that I don't have to buy. Okay, so you're telling me this Christmas, if I wrap up a bottle of Windex and give it to you, it, you're okay with that? It's better than a <laughs> bottle of booze you would give to me that I put on my shelf that you <laughs> would end up drink. drinking anyway. Well, actually, a bottle of booze is on the list. Of worst things to give. Who yeah. doesn't like a bottle of booze? Well, I mean, there are people that don't drink, but other than that, uh, also on the list of uh, horrible gifts that people... Uh, again, the average person gets seven gifts a year that they never use. A mouse pad. <laughs> <laughs> An apron. I've given away... I've given my wife a mouse pad before, but it has a picture of our kids on it. I used to have a gag apron. That's fine. I used to have a gag apron that had a crank hanging off the bottom of it. Like it went all the way down to the ground. (laughs) Well, I'd be wearing that into work every day if I were you. You should wear that over the night with WIBC. I used to answer the door like when the pizza guy would come. I'd have that on. Oh, thanks, man. Uh, What else? Chocolate coins, calendars, mugs, 
picture frames, potpourri. Is potpourri still a thing? I guess. Allison, you. I. I don't know why I'm asking you this. Do you. Do you have <laughs> potpourri products in your house or apartment that makes it everything smell fresh? I can't remember the last time I've seen potpourri. Yeah. Have There's you seen poopery. the product called poopery? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've yeah. Got poopery. I, That's I a have, great gift. Now with poopery, I'm confused on how to use it. Do you spray it in the toilet before you do the business, Correct. or do you do it? Okay, so, so before, before. To, to mask the smell. To I've been doing it wrong. I've just been spraying it right on my anus. <laughs> Whatever gets you there. It's kind of squatting over a mirror and getting it out. All right. Okay, I have nothing left to add. That's it. Um, but man, some of these things, like we go back to the cleaning stuff, right? And this is what we're starting to get into with my oldest son, who's living in his own house now. You're going to start getting gifts that, as a kid, you would look at and go, "This sucks." But as you get older, the practicality, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's something you don't have to buy. Like, here's a vacuum cleaner. Now, you might not be excited to get a vacuum cleaner, but this means you don't have to go out and buy one. It's the crap like that. So, I'm here for that. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So, let's rock it! My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer sitting right over there with a very special guest on the 93 WIBC hotline. Tudor Dixon was the gubernatorial candidate in the state of Michigan and now host of the Tudor Dixon podcast. Tudor, welcome to the Hammer and Nigel show in Indy. How are you? Great. Thank you for having me. So last night, Donald Trump, you know, he's basically in your backyard in the state of Michigan. He chose to not participate in that train wreck of a debate, but he was in Detroit trying to win over some of these disgruntled auto workers. Was that the right move? You know, I was wondering what his approach would be to this, because his approach in 2016 was we're going to keep the automakers here. They're not going to go to Mexico. But he had a very interesting take on it. He got these and people there were a lot of people there, union workers, non-union workers. And he said, look, whatever is happening right now in negotiations, I mean, this could really be irrelevant if Joe Biden gets his way, because once they shut down gas powered manufacturing, vehicle manufacturing, there are not going to be the jobs out there for electric vehicle. I mean, we just don't need the the same amount of people. You don't need the same parts. You're going to shut down a lot of these non-union shops. You're going to shut down the union shops. These these arguments are very valid that we're talking about wages for today. But in two years, are there going to be jobs there? Uh, it's a it's a valid point. Yeah, I, I found it funny that that Biden was in your state uh, at the picket lines, you know, pretending to care he about. Was? I must have blinked. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. Let me add the caveat. He was there for 12 minutes before he hopped on a plane to hobnob with celebrities in California. But he, you know, pretended to care about gas powered automotive factory workers when uh, when he ran on a campaign. Biden ran his campaign promising to destroy these people's jobs, the gas powered automotive industry. And I, I just think that it's it's hypocritical pathetic and hilarious all at the same time. 
Well, what does it mean for the guy who is leading the charge, the Sean Fain? Because he stood next to him. He got yes. pictures with him. And uh, and Trump said, I would ask Sean Fain to say to, to Joe Biden, why are you doing this to my members? And I think that's a really important question for the union right now to come out and say, hey, wait a minute. You are mandating something that, first of all, consumers do not want. And secondly, you are killing an industry that is critical to multiple states, but to Michigan, incredibly critical. And to his workers in Michigan, we're talking about not only the union workers, and and I know that his concentration is is the union, but once you shut this down, you're shutting down factories across the state. And so I think it's a valid point. Why would you stand next to the guy who is there, there with a knife in your back? And when you look at our state here of Indiana, I believe we're number two in automobile manufacturing behind your state, Tudor, in Michigan. Take us through what the electorate is like in Michigan, because I know these UAW union member auto workers, it's been beat into their head. You have to vote blue. You got to vote Democrat. Bam, bam, bam. But when you look at what's going on right now, they're out of work. Everything costs more money. Can these folks be won over by Donald Trump? Look, they were won over by him in 2016. I think 2020 was a little different because, you know, there was a lot going on that they got different types of voters out. They got voters out for different issues. But I think in the the heart of the people, the union workers, but the shop workers in general, those folks mainly still support Donald Trump or Republicans in general. Because when I was running, I had a lot of these people that pull me aside and and it's like almost they have to whisper it because they do have, they are part of this union that does demand loyalty to the causes that they choose. And as we see now, they haven't, they haven't planted their flag with either candidate, but they have historically felt like they've had to be pulled a certain way. But Donald Trump changed that because they saw the writing on the wall and they said, hey, we want to keep our industry here. In Michigan, we've been hurt. We've seen a lot of factories close. We've seen a lot of these. We saw factories going to Mexico and we saw that wave. We saw the bailout and we saw that wave of suppliers that closed. So the working folks are really looking at this and saying, well, let me let me really consider, are the Democrats looking out for us right now when we in Michigan have some of the highest energy costs? Gretchen Whitmer wants to shut down our pipeline in Michigan. That's actively in the works right now. And now we're talking about changing over to EVs, which will shut down many more jobs. The thing that bothers me the most, and we're speaking with Tudor Dixon here on the Hammer and Nigel show, is Tudor, you see what happens in this country. Take a state like Pennsylvania, for example. They put a vegetable in the U.S. Senate. They put John Fetterman in a position to be one of the 100 most powerful people, even though he came out and said, yeah, I'm totally against fracking. I look at your state and I see a president of the United States saying he wants to put all of these people out of work. But for whatever reason, I got this bad feeling they're going to go in there on Election Day and vote to end their own jobs. How did we get to this point? Well, honest, quite honestly, I think it's because Republicans have not been active enough at messaging and informing and educating the public. We have a few friendly radio stations. We have a few friendly television networks, and we think that's enough. But the Democrats are getting to you every which way they can. They're getting to your streaming video. They're getting through your cell phones. They're they're 
pretending Republicans are something that they're not so that they don't have to run on anything. So you're not questioning what they're doing. You're just going to go out there and vote against this bad guy that they've created. And that's what we've seen in races across the country. Republicans have to start doing that, getting to people directly through their phones, telling them the truth, educating them, because people aren't watching cable news anymore. They're not watching to the extent that the entire country is is on social media, is on streaming television. And so we have to go out there and show them who these people really are, because I'm telling you, the average person does not know Joe Biden's dedication to getting rid of electric, getting rid of gas-powered vehicles. And the average person didn't know Gretchen Whitmer's. But if you look at her new climate plan, it will destroy manufacturing in the state of Michigan. There is no question about it. But people simply don't know because we are doing a poor job at educating them. You, gotta, you mentioned getting the message out, Tudor. And I want to ask you about your own personal experiences with public debates and performing and prepping. But do you think that uh, GOP primary debate last night helped anybody or helped people make any decisions? I just I think it was kind of a debacle last night. I'm wondering your your take on what you saw last night in that uh, debate in California. We keep thinking that we're going to see somebody that's just going to stand out, but you're in a group of seven people. It's a lot. There's a few times when you can talk. There's there's people talking over one another just to try to get a word in, to have a moment. I don't think we actually had a moment last night. We haven't been able to dig deeply into what people would do. So, no, these Republican debates are kind of like a litmus test. Where do you stand on the conservative issues? I mean, it's it was like that in Michigan, too. Yeah. And in some cases, it can drag you to an area you don't want to be in and it it's really not it's not i mean this is why donald trump's not going to them he doesn't want to be dragged to an area and he's not trying to stand out so you have to say okay well maybe politically that's an intelligent way to be yeah, Tudor, I mean, you're no stranger to public debates. I remember, you know, a year ago, you faced off against three dudes who were all vicious to you during the that Michigan GOP gubernatorial primary. And then, of course, the wholly unlikable Gretchen Whitmer. And I'm just wondering what you think of the actual debate format. I know they all vary from debate to debate, but what do you think of the debates? And is it constructive and conducive to being able to get your message across? I think it's really good for someone who is unknown to be able to get out there and to be seen and to be able to get their message out. I certainly don't think that it is the answer to winning an actual election, but I do think it it shows people that you know your stuff, you can talk about it, you're not going to panic under pressure, you're able to talk. And, and, you know, it's interesting when you go into these things, I heard somebody say yesterday, a debate, there's not really winning a debate. Hmm. It's trying not to destroy yourself in a debate. And so there is, there's a test, but it's the only time when the public gets to hear somebody ask you a question and you have to be put up against a backdrop with your opponent and, and, you, you can clearly see if there's a difference or how that person reacts. So uh, the debate process is good, but how many do you have to have? I right. mean, at a certain point, we've got to whittle down this field. We can't. It's really hard to go out and, you know, at, at, a, at a point we had 12 people in the gubernatorial race in Michigan. It's too many. That's the that at that point a debate is pointless. I, I just think just one more question before I let you go to speak with Tudor Dixon, who uh, was a gubernatorial candidate in Michigan. I mean, your governor is 
wholly unlikable. I mean, one of the worst. I, 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 That's about the nicest than, way we've ever I, I, referred I mean, to her like, on this program, some by of the way. Most, most <laughs> just draconian lockdown. I mean, worse in your state than, than other states here in the Midwest. Um, and now there's talk if Joe Biden doesn't run, it's going to be Gretchen Whitmer. <laughs> Whitmer, Gavin Newsom, um, they're all in the same conversation. What, what, what do you think about this this notion? Do you, I mean, do you think Joe Biden's going to make it to uh, 2024? And if not, who's it going to be for well, the Democrats? I, I Newsom is definitely positioning himself to be. I mean, he's at the debate last night. He's now debating Ron DeSantis. I don't think Gretchen Whitmer has it in her. She, You know, I was told she was going to be this. <sighs> masterful debater and afterward people were like okay now we know why she pushed it off to the third week in october so i don't think that she has what it takes to go into that national scene i think that we would have kamala 2.0 and it would be a it would she would she just wouldn't get very far i don't think outside of michigan she's going to have a lot of appeals gavin newsom is slick there is something about that guy where he can get out of tight spots and he can manipulate with words and he can charm people. And he terrifies me from that standpoint because his state is a wreck. But people listen to him talk and they're like, well, I mean, maybe he's not that bad. I think what are you talking about? So he I think that if we're if we should be worried about somebody, you know, tripping Joe Biden as he walks by, it's, it'll be Gavin Newsom. Tell me about the Tudor Dixon podcast. Like, do you have the green light to say a bunch of stuff that we can't say here on the regular radio? Can you just go unfiltered on that bad boy? <laughs> I mean, I think we have, yes, definitely done that. It's, I mean, it's fairly tame. We talk, about, we talk about a lot of issues that affect parents, a lot of talk about how social media impacts kids, food, and, and all of those things. Obviously, I have kids, so those are my concerns. But we talk policy, too. We talk about these factories that are coming into Michigan straight from China and the impact of that. And nobody's really talking about that. So we dive, dive deep into those issues. And it's, I mean, sometimes we have fun and sometimes we just get really serious. Your, your state is so, so beautiful. It's run by a complete lunatic, I think. But I visited Lake Michigan for the first time in my life over the summer. St. Joseph. You ever been to St. Joseph, mm-hmm. Tudor? Yeah. It's, I mean, it's just, just incredible. A little bit found I, from me. Yeah. What's that? It's just a little bit south of me. Yeah, it's like three hours north of us here in Indy. So I would recommend anybody, uh, if you're thinking about going on a little vacation, a little three-day road trip, going to St. Joseph. Hey, Tudor, thank you so much for uh, calling the show. Make sure to check out the Tudor Dixon podcast, and uh, we'd love to have you back on sometime real soon. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Amber and Nigel presents... Is... It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Is this anything? All right, let's rock and roll. How do we do this, man? I'll tell you some stories. You tell me if it's anything or not. It's pretty simple. We're going to start with this. There's a beekeeper in Philadelphia, and beekeepers have these shop vacs. They use these to, like, suck up the bees and do their work. Somebody stole the beekeeper's shop vac from his truck. Here is Don, who's got some bad news for the thief. 
Whoever it was that, that grabbed this grabbed a shop vac that was filled with several hundred hornets, and not just the workers, they had a preponderance <laughs> of queens. I've joked for years that, you know, I don't need to lock my vehicle, and the bees and wasps afford a certain degree of a, a, a bit of a safety net. Yeah, th this is one where of all the vacuums in yeah. all the trucks that they could have grabbed, they, I think they grabbed Oh, uh, yeah, this is something. This is delicious. I hope those thieves got stung hundreds and hundreds and hundreds hundreds of times. Guy, first of all, think about it. They stole the guy's shop vac. That's how he makes his living. Right. They snuck in the back of his truck and stole tools uh, from this guy that allows him to put dinner on the table for him and his family and his kids and his wife. And yeah, of all the vacuums in Philadelphia, you stole the one that was <laughs> filled with queen bees and hornets and wasps. I love it. The worst yes. things imaginable inside this shop vac, basically. Now, we do have an update. Uh, the thieves... They spoke to a local Philadelphia oh. TV station after they were arrested. Take a listen. Oh, no, not the bees! <laughs> not the bees! Ah! I love my eyes! My eyes! He got ah! me. Got me with that one. You knew it was coming. Yeah, I, 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 I didn't know it was coming. No, I thought they talked to the actual thieves. That was a good one. All right. In all seriousness, okay. this is the interview that the thieves did with that TV station in Philadelphia. Thieves! Thieves! <laughs> thieves everywhere! God, they're here! They're ripping my butt off! Forget that! I'm starting to swell up! You got they're me here. again! <laughs> crazy, your firearms are useless again. Uh, I gotta learn not to take a sip of my beer. You got me <laughs> choking up my own spit. <coughs> that was a good one. Is this anything? This formerly incarcerated woman has gone viral with a video explaining why prisons do not allow contact lenses. What? Here she is describing the downside to having to get glasses in the joint. If they were in prison for up to a year, they were allowed to apply to get glasses, like from the state. They would go and get an eye exam, which they had to pay for, and they would get these state-issued prison glasses that were the ugliest things I've ever seen. I was serving five years, and I hit my dad up, and I was like, please find me some glasses. And he took my prison ID to the place where I got my contacts. He was like make some frames for this face and it's me in my mug shot and they made me some cute glasses dad take my mug shot over to lens crafters <laughs> please have them make me some decent they probably have these special state issued uh, see you know eyeglasses that don't have like parts that you could turn into a shank or something like some that. sort of weapon or yeah. narcotic. But that's messed up that if you that the, the, the prison guards make you take your contacts out and you just walk around blind if you if I mean, that's kind of messed up isn't it i mean are you, are you a contact wearer no, I had LASIK. I'm a re I have readers. I have readers. Okay. These, these these cheap, you know, dollar fifty readers from China I leave everywhere in the house. But I wanna know what she did. I think this I think I know who this chick is. She's on TikTok. She did like five years for armed robbery and then she turned herself around and found God and now she does these TikTok videos about about life in prison. Five years. It's uh, pretty impressive. Man, what did she do and where is she at to get locked up like that? Because here in Marion County, <laughs> right? she'd be out the next oh, day. Oh, yeah. You can go to, you, you go to Zionsville, I care yourself. You rob a store and then the next day, 
Ryan Mears lets you out with a GPS monitoring anklet, and uh, you're free to go about your business. <laughs> it's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Crime, punishment, judges, legal, legal stuff. stuff. I'm Nigel Hammers over there with a special guest on the hotline. Max Lewis is an anchor for Fox 59. And there's a story on their website right now. I believe this is a Fox 59 exclusive. They were the ones that found the information first that the Marion County Sheriff's Office had another situation where they accidentally released someone. Whoops. Max, welcome to the Hammer and Nigel Show. Walk me through what did you guys find? Hey, guys, thanks for having me. Yeah, so we heard about, obviously, Kevin Mason. He was the guy who was wanted out of Minnesota on these murder warrants that they accidentally let out. Well, after that happened, we got uh, a tip about this other guy. His name is uh, Toriano Helms. Basically, what happened is he was arrested last year for uh, assaulting some police officers. He was booked in. He bailed out. And then he got rearrested on some drug charges that weren't related. So basically what happened is, from what we know, is each of those times, each time you're booked into jail, you're only supposed to be assigned one ID number, a permanent ID number. For some reason, the courts tell us that he was assigned two different ID numbers. So when he was sentenced earlier this month on his uh, battery against the police officer's case, as part of a plea deal, his drug charges were dismissed. He was sentenced to two years in state prison for the battery on the police officers. But for some reason, he the same day he was sentenced, he walked out of the jail And that's because what we found out is that he was released under the ID number that was associated with his drug case that was dismissed as part of the plea deal. And Max, this is, I believe, the second time in like an eight-day span we're talking about these types of stories here. When you reached out to the Marion County Sheriff's Office, what was their reaction? What was their response? Yeah, so this Helms guy, the new guy that we found out, was actually mistakenly released before the guy who was wanted for murder okay. in Minnesota. We found out, that, and it, as you said, it was eight days apart from each other that these guys were released. The Marion County Sheriff's Office, we sort of were in a back and forth with them for, for several days on this story. And they originally told us, hey, we released this guy properly. You need to go talk to the court system. And we did. And then, uh, you know, we sort of found out their final statement that they gave us was that, hey, we released this guy properly with the information 
We had at the time they're uh, sending this to investigation, you know, having having an investigation into how exactly this happened, what needs to change and everything. Uh, but they maintain that they released this guy properly uh, with the information they had at the time, uh, which was obviously not correct. So, so, so Max, hey, it's Nigel. Hey. They, they get this guy. I mean, they, they, they rearrested this guy, right? I mean, but, but when did they rearrest him? And was it only after you started asking questions or was it before? Uh, yeah, it actually was after we started asking questions. We, <laughs> well, well, you can read into that whether or not you know whether that happened because of us or whatever. But I'm reading into it like the guy would still be out walking around if you hadn't done a great job in journalisming. <laughs> you know. Well, thank you. Yeah, he. So what happened was community correction, Marion County Community Corrections actually got involved because they're the ones. Nobody even knew this guy was out. For for about two weeks. Nobody even had a clue. Well, that's not good. No. <laughs> Community Corrections got an alert from their system that they have that, hey, this guy was out. They went to the judge, asked for a warrant to rearrest him, uh, and he was rearrested actually on Tuesday. We started asking questions about this Monday morning. So, again, people can read into the timing on that if they want to. And I'm looking at some of the court documents that you guys have in your article at Fox 59 here. You know, this guy wasn't the murder suspect, right? There was no murder right. charge here. But it wasn't like this guy was locked up for stealing a candy bar either. I'm looking at some stuff here where he attempted to choke a police officer during the event. There may or may not be a situation where he tried to twist and squeeze the crotch region of an oh. officer, if you will. So this was kind of a violent dude that was out there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was not, you know, as you said, it wasn't a murder charge, but it still wasn't, you know, something just super minor either. These are felony charges that he's facing, uh, resisting uh, arrest, uh, battering a police officer. And as you said, yeah, basically what happened was police responded to his house. He was overdosing. They revived him. Uh, they realized that he had some warrants out of South Carolina, so he had some other legal issues elsewhere, and they tried to arrest him, and that's when all that happened. And just as you said, yeah, they he, they tried to choke him, grab the crotch region, and apparently did not some great damage to the uh, yeah. officer's uh, area, and then also tried to grab their gun, uh, one of the officer's guns, uh, at one point during this incident. Max Lewis, uh, anchor for Fox 59. Man, last thing before we let you go. Nice work on this this story, but I, I'm just wondering, I've got like a an industry question for you. When you I mean, you said you got a tip, you, so, so does that mean like a source alerted you to this, and then either by phone or text message or email and that comes in and then you go to your boss and say hey let's check this out this is a story and then you start making phone calls and is that how how it kind of works in your profession yeah, absolutely. We uh, got a tip. Our assignment desk did uh, some of the. Our we have a you know great assignment desk, and they uh, did some of the legwork on this, sort of getting some of the original court documents, and then we realized what had happened, uh, and then I got involved, and we started trying to get answers from the courts, from community corrections, from the sheriff's office, and we end up uh, with this story and uh, and the result. Well, Max, great job, man. And uh, where can people find more out about this story? 
Yeah, just go to uh, fox59.com. It's going to be up there. Uh, it says, you know, two inmates released from the Marion County Jail in eight days, and they can read all about it. Max, just real quick, I, like Hammer and I are opinion guys. I know you have to be objective, but but yeah. does it, did it, has it occurred to you, it's occurring to me in the back of my mind, are there other guys out walking around right now? because of these same types of mistakes that the, the Marion County Sheriff's Department has made? Well, you know, we, we actually spoke to an attorney for our, for our story last night, and that was one of the questions okay. raised. It, we know about these two, right? But what's, who's to say that there aren't others? Has this happened before? Yeah. You know, and is the system still not, you know, still broken? And could this happen again? Uh, those are questions that we're going to continue asking them. We've retweeted the story at Hammer and Nigel. Max Lewis, Fox 59. Max, great job, and thank you for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, I, don't, I don't wonder how many... <laughs> If there are any other situations like this going on right now where there's guys that are, you know, serious felons just out strolling around because of a clerical error or, as I call it, negligence. And how many times has this happened but the Marion County Sheriff's Office, they just happened to catch the guy or woman relatively quickly because they tried to do that with the murder suspect. They just weren't able to find him. This time, it took a TV station to call around, and then ultimately, they made the arrest. How many times has this happened where nobody's known about it? Just the hits keep on coming. Yeah, there's some problems within that department, I think. Uh, Update on the looting in Philadelphia, since we're doing some legal stuff here. So, we played you some audio the other day of people live streaming, looting multiple stores. Yeah, Lululemon. In Philadelphia, the Apple store, Lululemon, a liquor store, all being looted. And this was the reaction of the chief of police in Philadelphia. What we had tonight was a bunch of criminal opportunists take advantage of a situation and make an attempt to destroy our city. And so, and and again, it's not going to be tolerated. Uh, We made arrests and we will continue to make arrests until we have uh, all of the individuals or a number of the individuals that have been responsible for what we've seen tonight uh, in custody. It's disgusting, to be very honest, right? And to see what our city went through um, in 2020 and to have, um, you know, some individuals try to recreate that same type of energy tonight is is disgusting chief of police in philadelphia about the riots now one person that had live streamed themselves looting and cheering on other looters was this social media quote influencer in philadelphia big fat woman named meatball aptly named right meatball it's not some sort of cute nickname it's appropriate she got arrested yeah she was live streaming as she looted and she was the idiot yelling everyone must eat everybody must eat everybody must eat Looking at her, she went first. Um, (laughs) She has now been charged with six felonies, Nige. She was charged with burglary, criminal trespassing, conspiracy, criminal mischief, riot with the intent to commit a felony, and criminal use of a communication facility. Oh, good. So she's, she's incarcerated. Well, about that. She's already out of jail. Oh, well, yeah, of course, the Soros installed uh, prosecutor there in Philly, Krasner, probably had something to do with that. 
post a $25,000 bond, and she is back out on the streets eating and making videos. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. The Hammer and Nigel Show. Do you suppose we'll meet any wild animals? Hey, baby, let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. That's some fun. The dingo ate your baby. And now, Hammer and Nigel proudly presents... Damn, nature, you're scary. Lions and tigers and bears. Florida man. I love the story already. A Florida man is recovering after being attacked by a rabid otter. Oh, no. The rabid otter sounds like the worst wrestler you've ever heard of. <laughs> Here is like the jobber yeah. that's already in the ring waiting <laughs> yeah. to get his ass whipped by the rock. Rabid otter. Uh, here is Joseph talking about the rabid otter attack. <laughs> I normally go out and feed ducks in the back. Ducks, geese, ibis. Looked up, no hawk. Looked back down, and there was a brown head sticking up over the bank of the uh, pond. At first, I didn't know it was an otter, but then I realized that's an otter. My pinky is the worst. Two puncture wounds. I'm not sure if it goes right through or whatever. One is on the corner of where the cuticle was. Something tells me Joseph is a transplant. Uh, not originally from Florida. I don't know what gave it away there. Yeah, that didn't but, sound uh, like Dade <laughs> County to me. <laughs> uh, the otter bit him on his legs, hands, and arms 41 times. Good Lord. Again, if rabies is transmitted and you and you don't get it looked at or cured, you don't get those series of shots, it's almost 100% fatal for humans. So here's the real discussion we need to have. This guy got bit 41 times. Do you think you could fight off an otter if your life depended on it? Uh, no. <laughs> I mean, they're little. They're little guys. But I mean, they, I mean, they, like they could be pretty than, big. They're bigger than squirrel. I don't know. I'm looking at pictures of them right now. I don't know how big they are, but they are vicious. And if if they're attacking you, like could you they, punt they, one like Baxter in like Anchorman? Like, could you just grab him <laughs> and just punt one? <laughs> no. <laughs> That's how I roll. Uh, yeah, damn nature, you scary for damn sure. Damn nature, you scary. My dad picked up a. I, I think I told you this story. My dad, and my mom was coming home in the seventies from a Zeppelin concert, and he was all on LSD, and they hit a. <laughs> they, they hit a. They don't hit a, don't just casually gloss over that. Like that's well, not I an mean, important part of the story. Seventies, you know, whatever. And he <laughs> he made my mom stop and pull over. He picked up the possum. And it wasn't dead, and it bit him. And she'd taken the she had taken Methodist since she got like a hundred shots in his stomach, rabies shots. Oh, <laughs> like I don't know if it's urban legend or not, but as a kid, the threat of getting the rabies shot. Oh, a bunch of these shots oh, yeah. right in your belly button. It's a big long needle. Well, like, did anybody else hear that when I you were thought, growing up? I, I, I think it's multiples of shots like that. Very oh. painful. Allison, have you ever fought an animal before? <laughs> I have not. Have you no. ever had to like punch a squirrel? Did you ever or... watch Old Yeller? Have you seen Old Yeller? Oh in your no, age? Oh. I hate that movie. Oh man! Do you ever have to fight off an animal or kill an animal? You got the hydrophobia. No. No. Oh no! Uh, oh. Real quick, according to a new survey, seventy percent of people have pretended to like a meal that's been made for them to avoid hurting someone's feelings. 
You don't have to name the meal, but has Mrs. Nige ever made you something and it sucked and you didn't want to hurt no, her feelings? No, but I do remember. I, I got a. How long do we have here? 20 I mean, seconds. 20 seconds. My grandma, God rest her soul, she, she was in decline, but I always loved her pumpkin pie. And I remember towards the end, she made us some pumpkin pie, but she forgot, forgot the sugar. Oh and we no! All sat there and ate it and pretended we liked it. God, I, you know what? I, maybe that's not the most comical response you wanted, but yes, I have pretended to like something. You're not a horrible bastard after <laughs> all. Life is full of things to manage: your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta. And check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock! My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there with a special guest on the 93 WIBC hotline. He is an investigative reporter for the Daily Signal. Coming soon to WIBC, he's going to have a nightly program, Tony Kennett. Now, normally, the Tonus joins us on Wednesdays. We had a chat yesterday, but we wanted to bring you back because you're up in Michigan. You're in Detroit. You've been speaking to the striking auto workers, and you covered Donald Trump's big speech there last night. So let's get into it. What did you hear from Donald Trump in Detroit last night? Uh, what I heard from Trump was that rare form of just incredibly great Trump. I mean, the, the kind of Trump speech that you hear that really does absolve the sins of about 90 percent of his gaffes. And I, and I say that as someone that you guys know has been highly critical of Trump, highly critical of some of the actions that he's taken, some of the things that he said. Uh, I covered him in Philadelphia early this year. He made a lot of promises to parents that I thought he couldn't really keep. But his conversations with auto workers and talking about America's auto industry, how we manage trade, how we set up foreign deals, how we protect the auto industry, how we maintain and expand the auto industry, I mean, it was nearly flawless. Okay, so that's what I wanted to get into, Tony, because normally when you get Donald Trump, he starts talking about how he got screwed in the 2020 election, and he brings up all the stuff from the past, which, okay, I think the base might like that, but it really feels like he's got a chance to win over some potential new voters in Michigan, especially these auto workers who clearly see voting Democrat has gotten them nowhere. Did he stay on brand? Not only did he stay on brand, he polished it like with a fine bit of wax and some cloth. I was amazed. And I say that I'm amazed because, as you guys remember, I said all Trump really needs to do what he really should have done in 2020. But instead, what, what now he's doing, he needs to stay on topic. He needs to talk about the things he did during his presidency that helped Americans. Because what you hear from moderates and people who maybe voted blue except for Trump in the 2016 election was the he's a man of the people. He's a man of the worker. And I maybe not 
liked him. I thought this one lady that was on the picket line said, you know, he's kind of an a-hole, but when he was in the office, I had more money in my pocket and more food on the table, and we were never on strike then. He, like, met with the union leaders within a month of being in office. To me, if he says that kind of stuff like he did last night, and he makes that his messaging, hey, guys, remember how good it was when I was in office? If he does that... I, I really do not see how Biden can fight him off. This is the strategy that Trump needs. And so far, I, again, if he speaks like he did last night, I'm, I'm a bit dumbstruck, guys, because it was just such a good speech. And I was right there. Even some of the media that were shoulder to shoulder in this manufacturing facility with me were impressed. I saw a mouth open on this newspaper writer who was expecting, you know, what we'd seen in the last couple of years in, in a lot of what he said in public. This was the complete opposite. It was it, it was like old Trump again. Yeah, I thought he was very sharp, very concise, very on point, specific, uh, specific statistics concerning energy. Can you drill down just a little bit on what he had to say about the energy industry as it relates to the the auto workers. Well, I mean, he made the point, you know, you can't have an auto industry, not a gas-powered auto industry, if you don't have oil. And he talked about that. He talked about refining a little bit. He talked about all of the restrictions that the Biden administration yep. put down on, like, day one. Uh, he also talked about, uh, directly relating to the Department of Energy, uh, he talked about releasing several uh, kind of, like, statutory restrictions that basically made industries like GE, Ford, and several other organizations uh, basically restricted uh, those organizations from operating freely, and you know corporations like that are going to pass the cost down to the average guy down on the line. And Trump just called that like it was. You know, he's like, you guys are paying the, the penalty for that. One of the things I liked the most was he was talking about how tariffs functioned and then also making sure that American cars were basically given preference. He's like, when, you know, Asian car manufacturers, whenever they have Asian cars, they're given preference in their country. He's like, yet here we don't charge, you know, Japanese automakers, Korean automakers, et cetera, anything to sell cars in this country. And I'm a free market economist, but that is a strong selling point to people in the Rust Belt who work on these auto lines. It just is. I mean, they were floored by it, and they should be. He is genuinely fighting on their behalf. Tony Kennett joining us. Tony is an investigative reporter with The Daily Signal. He's up in Detroit. He's speaking to the striking auto workers, and he covered Donald Trump's speech last night. So, Tony, let's be honest. A lot of the union striking auto workers, it's just in their DNA to vote Democrat. It's beat over their head. You are to vote Democrat. You're a union member. This is what we do. Did you get a chance to speak to any of the folks on the picket line or folks that were maybe at that Donald Trump speech last night that normally vote Democrat, might even hate Donald Trump, but are considering voting for Donald Trump because of the situation that they're in currently? Well, that's the vast majority of people that I spoke to on the picket line. Oh, there was one old white guy who kind of had a professory vibe. Uh, who wasn't really standing near any of the other picketers that claimed to be a picketer and told me that he was excited about Biden and he was going to vote for Biden again. (laughs) Everyone else that we talked to that answered the question, because, again, when you're media, not a lot of people want to just tell you everything about their personal convictions. A huge majority are saying, yeah, I'm going to vote for Trump. Even if they vote blue for a lot of local officials, maybe even for Congress, they're voting for him as president because and, and again, to make this clear, they basically say the Midwestern phrase of scoreboard. You know, look at the scoreboard. You know, when when this individual was doing what he was doing in office, 
I had money in my pocket. I had food on the table. Gas was cheap. Cars were coming off the line because people were buying cars like they were hotcakes when Trump was in office because the economy was good. I don't know about you guys, but I'm not really in the market for a Ford Bronco right now. I'd love one. Sure. I would love a brand new Ford Bronco. I'm not going to go out and get one. When Trump was in office, though, those kind of things were on the table. And these individuals know that. Uh, they're really dissatisfied with union leadership. I mean, you have some of these goofballs get on television and say that, you know, Biden's fantastic and that the union stands behind Biden. And the unions on the picket line are like, quit. You know, I guess the union just rejected a 20 percent raise offer uh, from the auto manufacturers. And a lot of people on the picket line are upset because they're saying a 20 percent raise. Man, I would have taken that now. Right. And, you know, they can't break line and be a scab. Did you have a chance to see any of last night's GOP primary debate last night? Because the one thing I took away from that debacle was the winner of that debate was most certainly Donald Trump, and he wasn't even there. So I, that's what I told you guys yesterday. You're like, Is there anything any of them can say that's going to change things for them? No. I mean, it was embarrassing to watch. I and mean, you had Nikki Haley making a fool out of herself with Vivek. You had Chris Christie trying to joke with the crowd. I think he's just talking to get booed at this point. It's like, it's a... <laughs> he's a heel wrestler I mean, at this point. <laughs> really? At least when Norm MacDonald would get booed on Saturday Night Live, he knew what he was doing and it was funny. Chris Christie is just sad. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know some of the other candidates on stage. I heard that Mike Pence was like elevator music, and that's really quite true. Um, and then again, I, I really like DeSantis, but like, it's really bad to have the president of the United States agree with you on Twitter because DeSantis chose to go after Trump and the trillions that he added to the deficit, which, by the way, that's a fair and valid point. But when Trump is the leading contender for the GOP, you don't, I, that's not how I would have attacked him. And that's just me. I'm no political strategic expert, but I'm really just embarrassed for everyone who showed up to that debate. That, is, that, was, that was a slaughter. Last thing here before we let you go, Tony. Uh, one of the lines that I actually liked, one of the few lines that I liked last night in that debate was Vivek Ramaswamy saying, uh, basically to all the striking auto workers, if you're upset with what's going on, don't pick it in front of your plant. Go pick it in front of Joe Biden's White House yeah. because he's the one that wants to put you out of work. Do you get the feeling any of the folks out there in the picket line agree with that sentiment? Well, it's not really there. Uh, I don't. That is said by someone who lives on the coast their entire life. It just is. I, I grew up in a, in a household where my, like, my dad was in the union uh, when, when he worked in auto places back when Dana was around. That people that say that, they may have like the right spirit. And I do agree. But looking at, at people that are they're striking because the rest of the union is striking because union leadership tells them where to go and because they're part of the union and they kind of have to do certain things and saying, well, if you were really serious, you would go strike at the White House. That's not serious. That is a very coastal elitist way to talk down to the working man. And it, I don't know. I, I just get that vibe from Vivek. It's that classic used car salesman. He likes to pretend he knows what he's talking about, but I'm pretty sure the man's never gotten his hands dirty and it shows. And uh, he's not popular among people on the picket line. I can I can say that. People do not care for him. Well, yeah, and maybe I phrased that wrong. I'm not asking if the people on the picket line are big Vivek fans. I kind of know the answer to that. But are they upset with Joe Biden right now? 
Oh, absolutely. They're, they're extremely upset with him. They thought that him coming to the middle of Michigan was performative. They didn't think that he stands with unions. They don't even think he can stand on his own two feet, much less tie his shoes. They abhor him. Um, and this is one of the reasons I said they're upset with union leadership. They, they are asking that union leadership right now criticize Biden's reactions. They see that the Biden administration got all in for the train strike and went up to Warren Buffett's crew and wheeled and dealed. But when it comes to getting them what they consider would be a more fair deal, they think they're being screwed over because their union bosses are kissing the very butt that is supposed to be uh, a target of their criticism. And so, yeah, they're mad at, at Biden. Uh, I guess what I meant by my Vivek comment is that Vivek's message to those on the picket lines falls really short because I just don't think that Vivek understands how to talk with a man who's been on a factory floor all day. Follow him on Twitter at the Tonus. Check out his work at the Daily Signal. Tony Kennett, great job covering the strike and Donald Trump. We'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Are you really okay? Are you okay? Everything's gonna be okay. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm pretty far from okay. Are you okay with this? On the Hammer and Nigel. Oh, yeah! All right, Hammer, the Senate unanimously moving to reverse the Fetterman rule. Restoring formal dress codes after the uh, a massive blowback. This was a bipartisan effort with Republicans and Democrats. Remind us what the Fetterman rule was, and are you okay with this? So the Fetterman rule was that John Fetterman is too much of a vegetable to dress up properly yes. for the job that he was elected to. He wanted to wear his hoodie and like pajama pants and baggy basketball shorts into one of the most dignified places in the world, the United States Senate, or at least when I say dignified, I mean what the founding fathers <laughs> had envisioned, the United States Senate, 100 of the most powerful people in our country, and you could make the case the world. But it was asking too much for Fetterman to put a shirt and a tie and a jacket and pants on. <laughs> he wanted to go in there looking like he just got done cutting the grass. So, yes, I am okay with this, but isn't it sad that this is the bar right now? Like, we're all shocked that the Senate has to wear clothes. Like, that's where well, the bar is right now. But, but it also tells you that even the Democrats were like, uh, no, this is unacceptable. Right? This was right. a bipartisan, unanimous move to reverse those rules. Right. Fetterman so, was going into the United States Capitol building, in the chamber of the Senate, looking like the bum that's picking up cigarette butts at the local <laughs> gas station. All right. A uh, new survey just came out that says the average American whips out their cell phone to take six pictures a day. Hammer, it also found the average family, uh, I'm sorry, the average American currently has 2,700 photos saved on their phone. Are you okay with this? Yeah, I'm okay with that, and that sounds about right. Now, I'm a picture-snapping machine, because that's how I prep for this radio show. If I see something stupid, I will screenshot it. Send it to yourself. And send it to myself okay. in my email. Look at look at how many photos and videos I have on this phone, currently. Whoa! That's a lot of videos, that's a lot of pics. <laughs> you must have an amazing storage plan, because, good lord... 8,173 <laughs> photos, 1,072 videos. 
My goodness. Yeah, Do you ever delete anything? Nothing. Nothing. So your old yeah. crank picks are probably still yeah, on there. Still they used there. to send to uh, your better half before you were married. The late, great Norm MacDonald had a, a gr- an awesome stand-up uh, bit about people that uh, take pictures. But I can't believe it's been a quarter century since I made my television debut. It was all different back then. You know, it was back then. I remember if you wanted to take a picture, you would use a camera. <laughs> Not a telephone. <laughs> As a matter of fact, if you used a telephone, people would look at you odd. <laughs> In the old days, when they took pictures of you way, way back, you know, where they pulled that thing and it exploded and stuff? <laughs> I got a picture of my great-grandfather. The thing took six hours to uh, take your picture, and uh, it was a picture of my great-grandfather, one. They only had, every guy had one picture back then. <laughs> I gotta get back, feed them hugs. <laughs> Who's gonna feed the hugs? <laughs> Somebody got to feed them hogs. Now, in the future, of course, it'll be different. 50 years from now, people will be going like, hey, you want to uh, see 100,000 pictures of my great-grandfather? <laughs> oh, man. Norm MacDonald was so good. That's totally me right there. 8,000 photos that saved is. on my phone. Um, where do you want to go here? Do you want to go... Britney Spears, or do you want to do the uh, we, There I Ruined It guy again? So, let's do the There I Ruined It guy okay. again. Yesterday, we played the clip of the YouTube channel, There I Ruined It, of what the Red Hot Chili Peppers sound like to people who hate the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Come to a leaper with the peppermint bait, the chalupas in the fair to Just it. random words. Just random words. This is kind of what chili peppers sound like to people that don't like the chili peppers. I could totally zip great representation of them. Okay, okay. Now, here is what Pearl Jam sounds like from the same guy. This is what Pearl Jam sounds like to people who hate Pearl Jam. To answer the question, yes, I am okay with that. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. 
get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. And now, Hammer and Nigel go off the rails with Rob Kendall. Noise pollution. Jason Hammer right over there joining us live in studio to go off the rails. Rob Kendall from the Kendall and Casey Show. How are you, Rob? I am great. Thanks, as always, to our segment sponsor, Garage Doors of Indianapolis. Let's start with a question for you guys, though. Whose house am I coming over to at 1.30 in the morning to watch the Ryder Cup with? <laughs> well, I don't even think we do You could have said it. 8.30 at night, and Nigel would already be passed out. Yeah. Some people would say asleep, yeah. but let's just keep it real. He'd be passed out. Yeah, the wife's been gone this week. I can, I can hear your kids. Now, Daddy, why is Rob Kendall drunk on Fireball in our garage watching golf? <laughs> okay. I know you and Hammer got into it pretty good about this last week in terms of Donald Trump. Can we all agree now that it's the best thing for Donald Trump not to participate in these debates after whatever it is that we watched last night on oh, Fox? Oh, yeah, of course. Now, my argument wasn't that it's not best for Trump. I think I agreed with you that it is. I'm saying what was best for the people, at least I thought, was <laughs> Was to be to stand up in front of the people and answer questions, but you've got the Republican Party is a joke. I mean, Rona Rana and the, and the rest of the RNC is Rana McDaniel. Yeah, it's just a they're they're a joke. I mean, that was embarrassing. Those moderators were awful. The, the contestants were terrible. The contestants lighting, it's like it's a game show. Well, it is. That's what they turned it into. It I mean, it's just it's people inaudibly shouting over each other. I, uh, th- th- this party and think about if you think about if you were an undecided person. Now I don't know how many people are watching primary debates that are undecided, but you're thinking, man, am I going to switch from, I voted for Biden kind of begrudgingly in 2020, maybe I'm going to go back to the Republicans, and you see that. Okay, so that's interesting. Let's run with that, because I do think there may be some folks, like, let's look at the auto workers right now. Now, auto workers have had it beat in their head with a tack hammer, you have to vote Democrat, you have to vote Democrat. But maybe somebody's looking around going, you know what? I'm out of work right now. Things cost $700 more per month than they were a year ago. I don't really like Biden. It looks like he's on death's door. I don't like Trump either, though. So let me watch this debate and see if anybody on that stage can make my life as an auto worker better. What do you think that person said after watching it last night? I think it was an embarrassment. And I, I look, I, th- I think DeSantis... I think DeSantis did the best, yeah, but the problem is you got to behave like a belligerent idiot or you end up being like DeSantis and going the first 15 minutes when everyone's watching and he never spoke. You've got the number one challenger to Trump, and this is totally on the network and those moderators, that you let the number one challenger to Trump, the most prominent guy on stage next to Trump, and he doesn't speak for the first 15 minutes because you didn't ask him a question. So who the question is... Who does this benefit then? Who did that benefit Trump. last night? It Trump was the huge Trump. winner. Absolutely. Politically. Now, I stand behind. It, it is disturbing that he will not answer questions, but he'll go on, N- on NBC. That's And then he's tweeting out about how awful NBC is after he just went on there. But no doubt, Trump politically was proven right. You go, look at those guys. That was a joke. Yeah, that was... A mess. And I've seen some sloppy debates. I've seen some boring and bad debates. That was just a bad production. Sure. Too many people on the stage, too many moderators. The lighting was bad. The audio was bad. The whole thing. Like, 
to quote the great Jim Mora, in my opinion, that sucked. <laughs> and Mike Pence, does, I think he has an air of superiority about him when, he, when he's up there. <laughs> no he way. Like he, he's all the, uh, everybody else on that stage is beneath it. That's just the way he came off to me last night. Well, y- yes. I mean, you're 100% correct. And you shouldn't just say to you, that's the way he is. Uh-huh. I mean, the guy has been a 30-year professional grifter at this point and has avoided, a re- successfully, give him credit for that, avoided working a real job like the plague since basically 2000. Uh, and he believes he's entitled to, because he's been told for years that he's entitled to, whatever office he desires. Now, can we both agree Pence looked like he was dead on stage? The lighting was bad. You're right. Yes. Mike Pence was so white, he made Peyton Manning look black. I mean, he looked like some guy in a zombie movie who crawled up out of the out of the dirt. I mean, it was ridiculous. Mike Pence looked like he just saw a pair of boobies that weren't his wife's. <laughs> I just, I, look, I mean, I don't understand why Burgum is up there. I don't understand why Christie is up there. I don't. Well, what that's is, the thing, right? Like yeah. for the party that claims they hate participation trophies, here they are letting people up there that are polling at like two percent, three percent. Get this thing down to three. Like if Donald. Trump wants to play ball, fine, make it four. But really, let's be honest, you just need DeSantis, Ramaswamy, and Nikki Haley yeah, at you're this point. You're 100% correct. I, I had thought when it started Tim Scott was going to catch fire. It hasn't happened. And if you are to October and you are still at 3 4 5%, you're you're donezo, right? Now, it would be one thing if everybody was at 3, 4, 5, but you've got a guy at 50, and you've got DeSantis, who's at 15 or whatever that, you know, I know it fluctuates day by day, but roughly 15. You're just so far behind. You've been at it for five, six, seven months. Get off the stage. By the way, you know what they need to do? Because you got to stop these guys from talking. In Canada, they have the Mounties. You know, they're like the version of the police that ride around on the horses. Right. They have shock sticks. You may remember there was <laughs> there was actually a there was actually a professional wrestler once called the Mountie. Yes. And that was what he would do after the match. He'd beat the guy and then he'd shock him with the shock stick. They need to have a Mountie behind each one of those people. And if you talk when it's not your turn. Hit him with the shock stick. <laughs> Rob, you have been a political consultant. You've yeah. been a politician. Who's advising Mike Pence that his strategy is to be wacky? Like, Mike Pence tried to be wacky, funny Mike Pence last night, and it was painful. Uh, We have a name for these people. Uh, You may know. We call them on our show the Gravy Train Brigade because they have, for the better part of whatever it's been, 25 years now, been living off of Mike Pence's success. He's kept pretty much the same circle of people. And, uh, well, this is the last stop for the Gravy Train Brigade. And these are the people who have given him stoop. Mike Pence was so charismatic at one point, he was able to overcome the stupid advice that he was given by people. But in the modern era of politics, it just it doesn't it doesn't work anymore. But Rob, if you were working for Mike Pence, right, and I, that's a big name, whether you like him or not, let's say you were the campaign advisor to Mike Pence, yeah. would you just say what he wanted to hear, or would you tell him something he could actually use and be helpful? Well, you wouldn't work for him if you didn't tell him what you want to hear. I've told this story before when I worked under him, and you would see these things that needed changed in state government, and you would go to the people who are the people who talk directly to Pence, and you'd be telling them. It was almost like, remember in the um, with the gulags or 
where people would be in the gulags and they would write to Stalin and go, if only Stalin knew he wouldn't tolerate this, he would free me from the gulags. And they would write these letters to Stalin and Stalin would read them and chuckle because he was the person putting the people in the gulags. I used to go to Pence's people and be like, I can't believe I'm getting stonewalled here. If only Pence knew. If only Pence knew the government was this bad and inefficient, he would do something. And then you realize he put those people in the position because he wanted the government to be bad and inefficient. Off the rails. There it is. Rob Kendall with us on the Hammer and Nigel show. So let's bring it a little closer to home here. A uh, lot of stuff going on. We got the mayor's race right now. Nigel and I were on the air yesterday, and you know we're talking about the mayor's race, and we get this text message from you that you got a mailer, you know, in your mailbox from Jefferson Shreve, and even though probably against his will, against his belief, he's running ads asking where Joe Hogsett was, finally getting around to it. He's still mailing out things that are control. talking about gun control. Yeah, you know, on our email system here at work, uh, you, you get an email and it'll ping. And my email just starts pinging. And it's multiple people in Indianapolis sending me these mailers they're getting. So it's new. It's not like, hey, I got this, you know, a month and a half ago and the guy's learned his lesson. He, he has sent out a new mailer in which the focal point of the mailer, it is all about the illegal gun grab. It's the, the raising the age to buy the firearm. It's the banning of the assault weapon. It's the same song and dance that no no permitless carry. It's the same song and dance that got him in hot water, whatever that was, a month and a half, two months ago. And he's like, blank me, blank you. Here's another million dollars on a mailer telling people I want to confiscate your guns. I mean, it's so ridiculous. You're finally running commercials that are asking where Joe Hogsett was, because I think that's a big deal. Yeah. But your mailers say, but that's not really what I want to talk about. What I really want to talk about is how I'm going to screw over law-abiding citizens. Well, and remember at the time, because you're obviously a voter in Marion County, you and I kind of went back and forth on, well, I'm not going to lose my mind yet, because maybe it's just a wink and a nod, and he doesn't intend to enforce it, and it's bad, yes, but I'm not going to blow up yet over it. It is the centerpiece of his campaign, the centerpiece of the supposedly Republican nominee for mayor of Indianapolis. The centerpiece of his campaign is not where was Joe Hogsett during the riots, not going after the crappy job he's done enforcing crime in the city. It is going after law abiding gun owners. And he's lying. He's just lying to the people of Marion County because he cannot change these laws. He cannot make this happen. He is lying and going after law abiding citizens. Going off the rails with Rob Kendall, uh, was listening to the Kendall and Casey show earlier this morning. You had a pretty good one on um, uh, Holcomb and the interview he did in the IBJ and how he slept well at night during COVID. <laughs> oh, all the decisions he's making were just, he was fine with everything. Kind of kind of run us through that. What was that article? And I mean, there's this dumb Twitter picture of Holcomb getting his flu shot and his COVID vaccine <laughs> shot and saying, I'm protecting myself and I'm protecting others. Protecting uh, others. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. This is just so unbelievable. I mean, it's totally believable. But so he gets asked by, I guess, it was IBJ. Hey, do you have any regrets about, you know, putting a million people out of work, closing tens of thousands of businesses, calling people a human Petri dish? You know, even if do you have any regrets? And he goes, oh, no, no, absolutely. Absolutely not. I, I slept very, very well at night. And here was what I thought the most interesting thing about this was. And Craig, who's filling in for Tony on the morning show, said this. He claims it was so hard for him because he had different people telling him different things. 
Well, that's wild and wacky because mm. during those press conferences, which is why he called the people the human petri dish, the science was settled, and the lockdowns and the business closures yeah. and all and the mask mandates were all about the science. But now he's trying to claim, oh, it was, it was so hard, and I had people, you know, telling me different things, and nobody knew. Well, either Eric Holcomb then or Eric Holcomb now is lying because he's totally contradicted himself. And I know you've been talking about this for a while, and now I totally get it because I'm a Marion County voter here. A message has to be sent to Indiana Republican Party that your base is not going to tolerate the Holcombs and the Jefferson Shreves. We're not going to change our values because you guys can't win elections. And listen, I'm just one vote. Rob, you're just one vote. But if you don't get your act together... I'm not saying I'm voting for the Democrat. I might just not vote. I'll write somebody in. Yeah, majority of my ballot every year gets left blank because votes are earned. But think about this. If you'd put a million people out of work and you'd close tens of thousands of businesses and you can't prove you saved one single solitary life. Eric Holcomb can't prove he saved one single solitary life. We can prove he put some people out of business. and 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 you can prove people died from suicide and drug addiction and everything else. Wouldn't you say, hey, I did the best I could. There's some areas where I failed. We'd like to do better next time. We got to evaluate this. No, I slept great. Yeah, you're right, a-hole. You did sleep great in your taxpayer-funded house with your six-figure salary. Well, it's coming up on your big show tomorrow. Well, apparently, artificial intelligence has drawn Marilyn Monroe at 98 years old, what she looked like today. You boys want to talk about a buzzkill. Get ready, Bow. <laughs> that's well, what we have to look forward to. That's what to. we have to look forward to. Way to crap all over our Friday, Rob. Good God. Ryder Cup in your house, 1.30. Here I come. Special thanks to... Garage Doors of Indianapolis. He's off the rails. It's Rob Kendall. This is the Hammer and Nigel Show.